0: And so, hey, folks, look, if you haven't listened to part one, y'all got to go back to part one. Listen to that, because that's where the setup is for part two, um, because, you know, it's like the ideas that we're grappling with um, happening in the, in the first part of it. But the work, right, that's what the episode, uh, what episode two is focusing on. And so before you start thinking about the work, we really do want you to, to think about and grapple with what anti- racism even means, right so that's in episode one, so check that out if you haven't already, but if you have, welcome to episode two Well,
1: and the title For Whites only is intentionally provocative right and 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 you know obviously is is a commentary on segregation um, but I, I'm curious th- this conversation we're having right now about the Miracosta community gathered together in a large space and confronting these issues versus us. Separating ourselves, right, to talk about this with friends or with people uh, within the groups we identify with. Oswaldo, earlier you said that it's important, you know, something we lose with, with the word equity um, or even the term people of color is we then don't see specific experiences. And so it seems, and so let me ask this as a question Is there value in something like Denise's proposal that white faculty meet to talk with white faculty about racism? Um, and, or is there also a danger in that kind of, um, approach to this? Oswala, go for it. You know, I, thinking about it, 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 I feel like there's not
2: one way to do things. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not, it, this is a complex issue. Uh, and sometimes it's not, it's real simple, right? <laughs> but it's, it's, it's one of those things that, um, I think that it could be beneficial for them to, to have that conversation. And at the same time, what's going to happen afterwards, right? So it's not just having the conversation, but it's like what 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 happens afterwards? What are the actions? What are the plans? Um, because I think that's part of part of the part of the problem is is we we read these books, but what happens with that knowledge or that newfound growth? Right, right. Right? Uh, And so it it doesn't have to be one or the other. It could be a combination of that. It could be, you know, uh, you meet with one group first and then we meet, you know, with the rest of the groups and and combine conversations, whatever it is. Um, But like you said, you know, somebody said, you have to do the work, you have to do the reading. And I think a lot of us who do this kind of work, we're also tired of having to constantly uh, teach and train and explain and share our experiences. Uh, And it's fun to, you know, make that time for them to, to unlearn, right? Unlearn some of these uh, racist ideologies to explore, um, because I think it's important. And something that Bruce said, you know, that I, I, it's, it's, and I've talked a lot about what I also is, there's a lot of people who wanna have these conversations and wanna feel safe and wanna be, you know, and they wanna feel that, you know, uh, protected, that no one's gonna jump on them. And the fact of the matter is that ra- racism is not safe. It's not cuddly, nice, you know, politically correct, right? Racism is not friendly, right? And when we're talking about racism and anti-racism, there's this expectation of like, but be nice to me, explain it to me nice and sweet, uh, take care of my feelings, right? Uh, because uh, I'm, tr- I'm trying to be with you, I'm trying to be your ally, right? Uh, but don't be mean. And I know I apologize for my sarcasm, but that's what it is, right? Racism is not nice and sweet and snuggly. So we're gonna have these conversations and just like racism is is dirty, nasty, horrible, you know, um, vicious and violent, it doesn't mean the conversations have to be that way, but truth to to, to what we're speaking is that this is not a comfortable conversation. You know, I, I understand, and I do want to, and I, and I explain this to my colleagues and, and to the people that I have this conversation with, and I say, yes, you know, and, and it's natural for, you know, for someone who has lived this experience to not have to attend to your feelings and to your needs when we can have this conversation, this conversation ends, but my experience, you know, your experience walking out this, you know, office or whatever it is, goes back to the life that we have lived, right? And so that's my take
3: on that yeah can i can i just ask like oswaldo i i hear you in part addressing white fragility you know in that comment there and like so that's a real thing right and it's it's super annoying to me i'm just like why why do we have to deal with this you know but then at the same time i look at how many people live in this country and i look at how many of them are white and what positions they hold and all these other things and i'm like we need allies so if they rep- if they are this big, right, but they're dealing with this white fragility stuff, I don't think we can ignore it either, you know? So to what extent do we address it without letting that uh, dominate the issue, you know? I, I mean, like, like I, I hear what you're saying. I just, I, I hear people dismiss white fragility. It's like, it's easy for us to dismiss it because we're all on the same page to an extent, but I don't know that we can so easily all the time. And if I may answer, you know, it's not that we're
2: dismissing it is, is we're looking at the truth, right? We're looking at if we're having honest conversations with ourselves, we're not going to be, you know, we're going to have to cry and we're going to have to be upset. That's human feelings. You know, as, as a therapist, I, I, I've i told a lot of my clients, you're going to feel worse before you feel better. Right. And when you enact change and growth, a lot of times, you feel worse before you actually feel better, right? And so this is part of growing. It's part of of it's not dismissing fragility. It's just dismissing that if you're going to grow, sometimes growth and change is not all nice and fluffy and and great, right, right. right? Change sometimes means you have to make difficult decisions. Change sometimes means you have to let go of what were important relationships, right? And so that's what change means. And so no, I don't think it's dismissing what fragility or uh, or um, not counting on our allies or, or saying you're not, you're not strong enough or whatever it might be. So the contrary is we have to acknowledge that part of change is sometimes having those negative feelings of, of sadness and anger. But once we have these conversations and we share this, it, there's growth at the end, right. Where we can all benefit from. But
4: I think it's not centering it right. When we, when we experience what we're calling white fragility or when we're, uh, you know, that uncomfortable moment for people and helping them work through that, it's not centering the way they're feeling and those emotions about them. It's having space for it, but this isn't the main focus. This this is part of it. And what I hear you saying, Oswaldo, is, you know, we got to get into the sucia, right? Like we got to get into that dirtiness, that 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 filthiness. We need to get dirty in order to clean this up and there is an unwillingness to get dirty or, uh, you know, maybe I'll just wipe a little here or I'll, I'll, I'll dip my toe into this. But to really get into it, you have to be willing to fail and make the mistakes that are going to happen when you're having these conversations. And, and I think it goes back to this idea that Bruce brought up about normal conversations. And I, I like that Bruce frames it as a normal conversation because it's normal to You, Bruce, it's normal to me. It's normal to some of these people in this room. We haven't had a break yet in this conversation. So that shows something. But I don't think, I think what's normal to most people is avoiding this, as Denise was talking about. And kind of to that, I want to talk about people who are usually left a, a bit silenced and, and, and maybe not represented as much. And and can you Oswaldo talk about what anti-racism means within the work that you do as a counselor at the CLC and our student population there? Definitely, I think that um,
2: we also limit a lot of times what happens when we look at MiraCosta, we, we look at uh, what a lot of people call the main campus, right? We, we look at the credit side of the house and we just assume that that's all there is. And so, when we're looking at programs, support systems, um, I, you know, I, I, me working on at the community learning center, which is a non-credit program. So I'm working with, you know, primarily students of color, disenfranchised, you know, minoritized students, uh, some of them who are immigrants who are coming from other countries to learn English, learning or trying to get their high school diploma, student with disabilities. Um, we, we get left out of the picture, right? We we uh, are not accounted towards towards the, some of the changes, uh, and a lot of times what we constantly do is uh, policies or procedures or, or or things that are created for the credit side of the house. We constantly have to try to modify that for us. So we're, so we're not the first we're not they're not we're not the first thought, right? And I think for me when we're you know speaking about the work and when we're speaking about equity, um, I feel like that's where we're left out, right? Uh, our students are left out in terms of that. Our students are left out in terms of, of support. Uh, some of the things that I have brought up in the past is is uh, health services at the CLC, right? Because if I have a student that needs health services uh, at the CLC, uh, first they have to contact credits and you know pay the the nineteen dollars health fee, and then uh, you know if they have they need to have transportation to go to the credit side. Um, and so in terms of equity, in terms of access to health and mental health, uh, we're still not there. Um, it's been echoed before that, you know, the the mental health service need, the need for mental health services on the credit side is on the rise, right? And when we talk about, and when I ask about the mental health services need, that's also on the rise in the CLC, I've been told, you know, well, maybe that's more behavioral issues and not necessarily health related stuff, right? And so it's, again, it's one of those things that it's, it's difficult to, to hear about anti-racist work Hear about equity work, and sometimes our reality is not the same, right? Like my my reality is different, right? Because here we are uh, having these conversations, and like I said, these buzzwords, uh, but our actions are different, you know. We miracles has their own high school diploma program, uh, and so you know we we need to be able to be more part of those resources and programs and and budget, be part of our have our own budget and have all these resources. Um, you know, there's so many things that I can go on, but it, it's just that, right? That, again, it, we got to look at our own house before we start looking at other houses, right? Like, what are some of the things that we need to address, uh, when we're going to have this conversation, let's not just be conversation, but what are the acts that come afterwards? Right. Um, I tell my students sometimes that a, the difference between the goal and the dream is the, the dream you just think about it and the goal, you got to get your ass up and do it. Right. And so, um, uh, it's is one of those things we can dream about anti-racist work, and we can dream about equity, but it's late. It stays in that, right? What are we going to do about it? Show me the steps.
4: Rachel, you know you said that you are right now going to lead the efforts for Nichia, which for people that don't know is the North County Higher Education Alliance, which is a um, a partnership with. The uh, with Cal State San Marcos and Palomar College. Is there any specific focus on the current events and and this language of anti-racism that that, uh, y'all are doing?
5: Yes, we actually met yesterday and had a wonderfully productive first board meeting of the year. Um, Last year, you know, this COVID-19 pandemic kind of just sideswiped all of us. Um, and the Chia especially, it was right in the middle of our grant cycle. So we were not able to offer um, the normal amount of monies that we would to our tri-campus communities in order to support projects that you know our, our campus like experts are coming together to collaborate on. So we had this lump sum of money. And over the summer, I talked with the former director, uh, Kelly Falcone at Palomar College. And just with everything that was going on, we really wanted to make sure that we supported all of the commitments that each of the campuses were making towards um, anti-racism, um, social justice-centered issues, um, equity practices, inclusion, all of those buzzwords, all of those commitments, we wanted to support that. And so we will be hosting um, an equity-driven conference each semester. We'll be inviting a, a roster of incredible like, um, speakers out, internationally you know, recognized, award-winning scholars who do this equity work, who will put us in engaging kind of environments virtually, right, who still are able to interact with us and allow us to test out strategies. And, and then also, some of the work that grew out of what Bruce and I were doing last year is um, I designed a equity quest, if you will, and it is a personal growth journey through these issues. Mm-hmm. Um, I am drawing upon uh, micro-resistant strategies, so a little bit every day, where mm-hmm. you just you know kind of journal through, write through, reflect through, textually, visually, um, a number of different kind of gaming exercises, if you will, and so I'm, I'm looking forward to releasing that this year and working with my collaborators on each campus. Is to make sure that we have an opportunity to collaborate and to really just work through some of these issues that all of our campuses are faced with.
1: Awesome. So, you know the the what I hear a lot, especially talking to my white friends, um, uh, is so, uh, why do you got to bring up race? Why does it have to be about race? It's mental health, right? It's um, it's community resources. Why does it have to be about race? Why, how is race mixing in? Um, and, I, and so what I hear you saying, Oswaldo, is if we're really going to look at, if, if anti-racism means seeing structural racism, then we should expect a problem we're looking at here, we can draw a line from it to a racist structure, right? A racist policy, um, um, a, a racist program, a racist discipline. Um, we should expect that, right? And, and so if those of us doing anti-racist work, that that like we're saying we're 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 talking about that but but then so how if if the work though to do is to invite others into this conversation to actually you know um um in committees craft policies that that pushes forward do we should we always be talking about race is that or is that a conversation that's going to put some people off are we just going to be stuck at the why does it have to be about race and we never get to the policy you know if you know, it's like the rubber hitting the road, um, um, it, it, this is a multi-step multi-layered process, I guess, is what I'm starting to describe. and and I kind of want to hear from um, Denise and Chad. Chad, you're already talking about trek and and your you know plan to work with dec and and to start to rethink the procedures of professional development in the tenure process with an anti-racist lens. And then Denise, you're leading the writing center, so i'm I'm also' I'm curious what well maybe we can start with you, Denise, is is, the the are you talking about race with consultants um is that starting to become part of what you're doing to rewrite um you know uh writing center policies um how's that going and where do you see that going this semester
6: I i wouldn't say anything about policies but in terms of the trainings that we're doing with our staff we've definitely um upped our game right can't just sit here anymore or can't just can't have a conversation right it needs to be integrated into all of training so that all of what we do is about this. It's not the add-on. Um, so we did, just praising myself, we did what I thought was really good work with our new student consultants um, this summer. So in August, we, have, we ended up, because we're in Zoom, having a four-day training. So about four and a half hours a day. And we sent them away for some of that work. So we sent them away two different evenings um, with various kinds of race videos or microaggression videos, or bias videos, things like that, and then some materials um, that DEC had provided in terms of microaggressions and bias, and not just identifying, but responding to, and then tied that in our conversations afterwards when debriefing, tied that back into one of our pieces in the writing center in terms of training is that rhetoric matters, right? So we're a writing center. It's all about the words you use the way you say things. So for example, a basic premise in the writing center is that we try not to use the word help. Mm. And I've thought mm. that for years. And then after taking the, um, uh, the course with J. Luke Wood in terms of inheritance about, um, men of color teaching men of color had this, you know, even stronger feeling that we, we can't, expect some cultural um, folks to be able to to ask, like, why should they have to ask for help? It's not about help anyway. It's about Mm. like getting feedback, getting responses, being in a community where you can talk about the work that you're producing for class. So, so we, after doing the equity work, we tied that back into this. And um, I did a, a, what worked out really well I had them watch some videos um, that were the New York Times put out a series on race where it was Latinos talking about race and whites talking about race and black women talking about race. And so I I listed a whole series of those and said, gave them an assignment where they were to watch one of those and they could choose that represented themselves or that represented someone they wanted to know more about, a group they wanted to know more about, and then, the next day, when debriefing, um, I asked them to I had asked them to have a single sentence about the work, and I had them post that in the chat. I think the upshot of it was that the students were so appreciative of an opportunity to speak to race directly,
5: mm-hmm. whether
6: that was through writing in the chat or whether that was through voicing it. Um, and it, it was their reflections were genuinely moving. They tied together their coursework with what they had seen, as well as, you know, life experiences. So it was very sort of round. It it made connections. Um, And just their response of appreciating the opportunity and saying, we never get to talk about this.
3: Mm.
6: So that went well. In terms of the question that was posed for it in the Writing Center, we're also um, doing with our whole staff, looking at linguistic diversity and trying to we did some game playing with them finish the the story playing and um are trying to to open the doors about this notion that just because your target language is english therefore you can only process in english Mm -hmm. or that you have to write entirely in english that there can't be words from other languages or or cultural understandings Um, and so trying to get that through our entire staff so that we can welcome students and and help them work through what they want to produce for their instructor um, with a recognition that may or may not be what the instructor is looking for and yet if this is your voice and what you want to produce let's help you produce that
1: i, I appreciate you saying that I, I i'm you know as an english composition instructor i'm grappling with this with my with this myself and it's you know to a uh, to invite students to inflect or bend conventions, that might be a student-centered approach to writing. To honor code switching might be an anti-racist approach. And to acknowledge that uh, uh, power has been maintained through the racist mutilation of language historically throughout, throughout education, right? To acknowledge that might be an anti-racist practice, right? And so try to push beyond just student-centeredness. Say it the way you say it, say, say your voice. But really, identify, you know, the the systemic racism in grammar, in conventions, in standard English, right? Um, so I appreciate you saying that, that Denise, and that's where the writing center is going.
3: Cool. Yeah, I can. I, I'll piggyback on that real quick. I was just thinking about uh, when somebody said, uh, like, how do we talk about racism, right? Um, and how uh, is that off-putting or whatever? But I think we can do more than just talk about it. It's in our actions, it's in it's in the, the syllabi that we assemble in the visualness, the visuals that we offer, right? And um, I, I was listening to um, Jason Reynolds who co-wrote um, Stamped with uh, Kendi, right? And he used a baseball analogy. Some of you may have heard it, the baseball metaphor where he talks about how to be anti-racist is um, like swinging for the fences and hitting a home run. And then he uses the bunt to describe being not racist. Right. Mm. So I don't even, I don't like baseball, but I'm not crazy about that metaphor Um, for a number of reasons. It's, it's too binary for me. I think it doesn't allow for nuance. Right. I, I don't think it's, it's, it's swinging for the fences or bunting. I think we need both, you know, to do the, to do the work we need to do. I think, you know, regardless of how I feel about baseball, I mean, the bunt, is used strategically in certain situations, right? It may not be used a lot these days cuz everybody wants to hit home runs, but I mean, for for those who know how to use it, I mean, there's a time and a place and a situation it's strategy and it's like, "No, we need to bunt at times." And so if we think of like a spectrum and maybe maybe swinging for the fences is comparable to marching on the streets or or actually fighting or actually being incarcerated, it's that extreme, right? Maybe the bunt is like like adding um Uh, a Japanese American author in your syllabus and including the picture of that person in your syllabus, right? So I just think like how we talk about it is not how we talk about it, it's what what we do, you know, and what we do includes how we talk about it as well, you know? And so, um, yeah, I, I was just thinking, I heard that. And on the one hand, I appreciate the spirit of that metaphor that they use, the baseball one, because I think it's easy to grasp and they want people to do more than just Say I'm not racist, but for us, I think we need to take it to another level and remind folks of the nuance that's involved with that that kind of metaphor. Yeah,
4: you know, with that what we do piece often, and because of what happened this past summer, 2020, and the re um, re-energized Black Lives Matter movement, you know, locally here, uh, well, what often happens is that the people of color, those people who are marginalized, those people who are experiencing um, uh, systemic and institutional whatever. I, I know we're not using that language as much anymore with this anti-racism framework, but when, when this is happening, we see that the, the, those communities are often charged with doing the work. And in some ways, that's, that's great because we can learn a lot from them, and then in some ways it's, it's incredibly taxing and unfair. So with all of that being considered, we have here at MiraCosta, um, a group of folks that have gotten together and have established the Black Alliance. And we have two of those members here. And I just want y'all to have some space to talk about, to, to give listeners an idea of what the Black Alliance is about, how this community was formed maybe, or whatever else you're comfortable sharing about this um this important group on campus that that is is highly visible now but you know does a lot of work behind the scenes that people aren't seeing you want to take that rachel talk about black alliance
5: you you don't want me to yield to my elders you know like (laughs) you want me like (laughs) not at all bruce listen like one thing i think um i really appreciate about the black alliance is the solidarity that is coming just between colleagues right um i i was hired in 2018 and one of the very first questions that I asked, you know, Dean Stewart, when I cornered her next to the fountain was like, do we have a black alliance? Like, where's everybody at? Um, It's really something that is a part of a ritual of, you know, going to a new institution of right? finding where the Black folk are, where the safe folks are, so that I know who I can share my experiences with, so I know who I can ask for you know, questions about how to navigate through the terrain. And for me, like that's what the Black Alliance has been. I think even more so during this particular moment over the summer, in response to George Floyd, in response to everything that's come out, the Black Alliance has been an active transformative force to be able to say that we are here and we are visible, that we are serving in our positions, but that also we are experiencing this type of systemic racism in our everyday activities on our very own home campuses. And we're still here and we hope to make it better, but also we're reaching out to say, yo, like we got work to do. And racism, this hasn't been said yet, so I'll I'll say it now. Racism was not created by Black people or people of color. Racism was created by white people. It is a problem that white people need to solve, right? (laughs) To expect expect that we are to solve that, right, is, is really an injustice in and of itself. However, we know because we want to live freely in this world and to be free to be who we are and to stand in our own truth that we have to be actively involved in unpacking and deconstructing all of these conditions that we operate in so know that there's a solidarity as we are both you know don't talk to us about this but please come talk to us about this right um it's a little bit of that going on if you will so i i I am i I i'm so grateful for the individuals who I've been able to collaborate with through the Black Alliance. And what I hope is that we will have much more vocal visibility in terms of hearing from the voices of the Black Alliance to speak our own truth from our own spaces, because we're a diverse group. We don't all represent the same truth. We don't all represent the same skin stories. And that's the beauty about who we are um, and what we have to offer to our institution.
0: Yeah, you know, that, piggybacking off of off of that Rachel thing, I, I just look, I I, I guess I just kind of needed permission to just go like, you know, the Black Alliance w- became something, but it wasn't me- like we didn't call together the black, you know black folks to form a Black Alliance. I think it, it's like if I can rec- it's like it's like my, my my brain is so muddy from from summer. It's like I'm literally just still like unpacking everything that's that's going on and continuously getting bombarded by new things and and everything. But I think I actually called the meeting just to talk about the different the change in the training that we were going to do. So, so Sean he knows about right the yeah. uh, and with Jim uh, that they, they, they you know did this. Uh, amazing online training, you know, for like, I think it was like June or something like that, right? And I had already set up that it was like, yo, we're going to go into this equity focus in this July time and everything. But the the focus of it was very different, right? right? As we've been talking about before, like equity, it was, it was an equity focus. But man, all the stuff that happened with George Floyd, all this Black Lives Matter stuff, and, and, uh, uh, Breonna Taylor and everything—it's like all of that stuff just just hit my heart so hard, at, all at the same time, right? It just it just came crashing in on me, and I'm just like, you know what? I got to change this up. I can't I can't talk about equity right now. As a matter of fact, it's like you know what? Fuck equity, because equity we ain't gonna get to equity if we can't talk about. Uh, I got I got I got one more.
5: And that, and I think that's where you know, I, I said at the beginning, like, you know, do I want to respect my elders? Like Bruce has put in 15 some odd plus years at MiraCosta. And so he has a different history of what it means to be black at MiraCosta. Um, and I, I feel privileged to have rubbed elbows with many of our colleagues to share in those experiences, um, not to hold them as my own, but to just hold them. Yeah. in solidarity, right? And so I think there are a lot of individuals who are tired because they've been doing this work a long time. And for me, I'm re-energized because yeah. like, it's, you know, it's like you see, you know, auntie and uncle, like, you know, going through it. And so you want to pick up the weight and carry it on so that they know that we're still in this together and you could take a break um, if you want. You could check out if you want, cause that's your black privilege. I'm okay with that. Just right. know that we're still in this together. Um, I yeah. think that has been really meaningful.
0: Yeah, and so yeah, I'm, you know, and, and like because I would, I mean, I'm telling you, it's like the emotional, you know, my, my soul was hurting, and so I, you know, just called some of my friends together. Quite honestly, it wasn't even about it. Like I said, it really was not about forming a black alliance. What wound up happening as we started talking about our feelings, we started talking about what was going on, we started talking about the campus, we started talking about what we could do, and we were just like, yo. We're educators out of college. We have to focus on what we're good at. It's like, you know, it's like, because there was actually talk about like forming a, doing a rally or, you know, doing a, a protest here and stuff. like. It's like, that's not, but like, we could do that, but that's not who we are. It's like, look, we can join a protest. It's like, we could do that. But what kind of work can we do? Are we uniquely qualified to be able to come in here and do and, and 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 so we. That's when all the thoughts started refocusing, and that's where you know um, the the Black uh, Black Lives Matter training week uh, came about. And it's like it emerged from that space, and then from there, right? Because we got really organized people in the space, like Wendy and Christina, and you know, and, and Rachel and and J D. It, yeah. right? It's like like people who are like super organized, and they were like, yo. Let's start creating the mission statement and bylaws. And I'm like, wait, I just I just wanted to talk to folks. And all of a sudden, we just put this work on ourselves. And but the, I mean, but the thing is, is that it's it's so necessary to, to to be in this. This was the time for it to happen. I've been waiting for something like this to happen ever since I got on this campus and i mean that as a student i'm not talking about me as a faw i'm talking about me as a student you know 30 something years ago i've been waiting for something like this uh, to happen and and it's finally you know come to you know it's finally come up and you know and unifying and all these voices that are together it's like look all you right, go t-. i was like it's like I, I can tell you i can tell y'all the truth It's like we didn't all. We don't all get along. Like we didn't all get along at first. And quite honestly, we don't have any expectations that we need to get along in every space outside of this space. But we are here, and we are black, and we are an alliance. And when it comes to being black and being an alliance, we are going to make sure that we 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 stick to that, right? What in this space. But it's like, look, we gonna have. To, we we might have to argue with each other in some other space. And it's like, if we need to be open to that. We are brothers and sisters in this fight um and, and real talk right it's like you know there's gonna be times i don't agree and there's plenty of times when people don't agree with me and it's like and we're good with that we don't all have to have this as a matter of fact that's 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 racist as fuck right to think that we all have to have the same voice in order to be able to do this work and to be anti-racist is like no 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 we are not going to constrain ourselves by making it seem like we all have to have this unified voice in order to be unified right and so that's i'm telling you it's like that was over the summer has been transformative for me and, you know, this space in my life of, of being here after 15 years and being like one of the most senior faculty members on this damn campus, like crazy. That's still just absolutely <laughs> crazy. Right, Denise Denise, and I were hired in the same cohort. It's like, we are the, some of the most senior faculty members, single-digit people that are ahead of us in regards to cohort, right? It's like in regards to faculty members, we are in the single digits in front of folks that are in front of us and so it's like, look, and that's, we've only been here for 15 years for crying out loud. Um, and so anyway, but I'm just saying, it's like we, it's, it's been so, such a blessing to, to be able to get to this space and, and to know, um, you know, and, and it's not even, it's like I said, it's, it's much more about support uh, right now, but there's plenty of goals. Please don't misunderstand. There's plenty of goals. There's plenty of actions that are going to be taken. This, uh, this has already become a consulting firm. I'm going to tell you that right now. Black Alliance is like, we're a consulting firm. It's like, we're all of this stuff. And I'm just like, damn, somebody need to pay us for this shit. Like, <laughs> for real, I was like, Laszlo, I'm thinking about you, right? I was like, where is this in my damn job title? Because the last time I checked, I was just a sociology teacher. <laughs> Why? What's all this work? Where is all this work? Where was it? But, but it's necessary, um, and we'll we'll get to bigger spaces, right? And and we know it. We know what, what we're fighting for, and uh, we're we're you know created our list of goals and stuff like that. We'll we'll get to better, bigger bigger, better spaces. But yeah, it's it's been it's 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 been a long time coming, and and is and it's a long time in front of us too. But you know, it's it's better to have people with you. I'm just, straight yeah. up, that's something I've been missing for a long time, a long time.
4: So it would not be a conversation with Bruce without a reflection on relationships. And that seems to be the foundation of the work in this regard with anti-racism work. Generally, that, that, that seems to be the foundation. And it seems to be the foundation for the formation of the Black Alliance specifically. Is that, is that accurate, Bruce?
0: Oh yeah, I mean, you know, if if we're not talking about relationships, we're not we're not talking about anything. When it comes to it's like you know, a, and anti racism across this campus is like we're not going to be able to take that approach without building relationships, and that's something that, again, you know, in in my time here, I've I've. I've definitely have had to come to grips with <laughs> uh, you know it's like I'm I'm, I'm used to going in uh, out there by myself uh, a lot of times and not that I don't have other people's support and, th- and things like that but I'm I usually sacrifice myself if you would in, in the space but uh, creating those relationships building on the relationships that we have right creating new ones that is definitely at the foundation of anti-racism work yeah 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 and I think you know, th-
1: this work is hard. And I think sustaining the work is hard. And and, and I'm hearing that in, in, in sort of this, throughout that this last conversation. I also think joining the work is hard in, you know, the need to be vulnerable. And, and, you know, and I'm thinking about, you know, things, something like what Doc said, you know, racism was created by white people, uh, a statement like that is hard to hear. And I think it's in relationships with our colleagues that that's where the work can begin. That could be an entry place. If I know you, if I trust you, uh, 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 I might start to walk into reflecting on that, a statement like that, unpacking it, um, which which we wanna do. We wanna come and, and sort of unpack and debrief the three of us um, at the end of the last part of this series. But right now I think we're shifting towards a hopefulness. I'm hearing a hopeful tone in this conversation, as we're leaving it off,
0: no, absolutely. And when we're thinking about you know these relationships, and uh, another real reason to, to build these relationships is also because it's like one person, it's like any one of us needs to take a break, and we need to forgive our not. It's not even forgiving ourselves. We need to acknowledge that the work can uh, can push on past us. And um, I'll say it point blank that that's been real hard. Uh, for me look I came in you know, that whole senior faculty thing is, is it's a real thing and I came in there was like 80 full-time faculty members now we have closer to like 200 right. y'all think I'm playing right like that's a real thing and now knowing that there's so many p- folks that can be part of this work that's that get, that eases the, the the yoke on my shoulders you know what I'm saying and in any individual shoulders that are in this space because there's multiple people, about this work and that that's like i said that is definitely relational at its core
4: yeah and you know i've said it uh, in, in the last debrief in the last podcast uh, episode we've talked about talking the talk and in this one we're talking about walking the walk but it's important for us to know where are we walking to right what is the what, i mean there is real no there's no real destination but what are we walking toward And so in part three, we're looking at anti-racism, our hope. And so we hope you enjoy that. Stick around for the last part of our three-part series. This episode was produced and engineered by Kelly Barnett. James Garcia handles our show notes and social media for the Safe Topics Podcast. You can find uh, Reteach on
0: Apple Podcasts and uh, Spotify. Those are the places that people listen to me the most. Thanks for listening.